Welcome to Living Wisely, Living Well, timeless wisdom to enrich every day with Asha Nayaswamy, one of the spiritual directors of Ananda Palo Alto and a founding member of Ananda Worldwide. If you enjoy this content and are inspired by the teachings of Paramahansa Yogananda and his disciple Swami Kriyananda, find Asha on YouTube, Facebook, all podcast directories, and her website, ashajoy.org. Living Wisely, Living Well, May 27th. Don't joke too much, lest you trivialize your relationships. Controlled merriment helps to release tension, but unrestrained jocularity keeps the mind light and is a hindrance to deep thought. It's just interesting, I... I, I realize that I, I've actually had more experience with this than I realize. At first I was sort of saying, I don't quite understand this. But I'll, I'll actually sort of talk from this point of view. I'm, I've always been a person, even before I came onto the spiritual path, which I, I wasn't... I, I like content. I, and I like conversation that, has, that, that deals with meaningful subjects. I'm not very good at just exchanging pleasantries. I hesitate when I say that because I've actually learned how to do it. I, at a certain point in my life, I realized that for a lot of people, just having light conversation about more or less superficial things is just the way that they exchange energy. And that I needed to be able to, to reach out to people more where they were and not always demand that people come into my world. So I actually apprenticed myself to a number of gracious women that I know and I learned from them how to genuinely enjoy just talking about trips you've taken, hotels you've been in, wonderful meals you've had in restaurants. Um, those are the three things that I think of the most. You know, just movies that I've seen, um, the plot to a book that I'm enjoying, just things that people talk about. And I mean, I want to say this honestly, I've really gotten to understand that there's a, is there, there can be a very nice exchange of energy. Not everything has to have um, purpose and meaning. But nonetheless, I'm a person who likes serious conversation, and I enjoy it a lot. And even more than that, in the position that I am in, which is I am often uh, representing um, the spiritual path, Yogananda's teachings, Swami Kriyananda's teachings, I'm often in the situation, I've often been invited into the situation as a representative of those teachings. So there's essentially a, a, an, an underlying agenda, even to, even to casual relationships. People are actually looking to me to constantly bring the conversation back or to bring into the conversation what I can contribute of, of my understanding of those teachings. And it suits me fine, which is why, karmically, I've ended up in this position. Because it is my preference. I'm, I like to translate ideas into words. I like to share with people verbally um, ideas. I love ideas. I love conversation about interesting ideas. But I have observed in several, actually in multiple situations, that there will sometimes be someone in the room who just absolutely refuses to allow the conversation to become serious. And now, um, 
Master Swami is using the words, don't, don't joke too much, lest you trivialize your relationships. So it isn't always that people tell jokes. But whenever the conversation begins to become meaningful or deep, they'll constantly deflect it. And, you know, I've learned to sort of work around it. It's not like they're harassing the situation. It's that they themselves seem to have exactly the contrary impulse to the impulse that I have. Where my impulse is to, is to once we get started on a deep subject, let's go as deep as we can. And I realize that other people have an impulse where they just they don't want to go into serious subjects. They prefer to just keep things on a lighter level. Now, I don't want to make all the people that I know become paranoid <laughs> because these are circumstances that I've experienced more when I've been with strangers. So it's not like I sit at the dinner table judging everybody's conversation. This is the problem. Many of you know me only through um, my internet presentations, but I also have a wide circle of friends, and my friends also watch this, so I sort of need to say, I'm not thinking of any of you. I'm thinking more of nameless strangers in foreign countries, you know, places that I've been. But it's a certain mindset, and either it is a mindset that continually wants to tell a funny story, but it's also a mindset that resists calm, deep introspection. And so, where Swami says, you know, humor is wonderful because it helps us to relax. Swami Kriyananda was extremely humorous. He was very witty, and he had a great appreciation for humor, is what I mean by that. You know, he loved, um, he enjoyed, he enjoyed it when someone could see the, uh, the humorous absurdity of a situation, as long as the humor was kind. He absolutely did not approve of humor that was not kind. And when teasing or somebody's comment was not kind, Swami sometimes would correct, but usually he would just um, lapse into complete silence. He would just, he would refuse to participate. You wouldn't feel this like heavy judgment coming out of him. He would just drop, drop away until the moment had passed. And if you were listening, and not everyone listens, but I listened, I would realize that, you know, some vibration had gone off and in silence he was correcting it and I would always pay attention to that because sometimes I myself um, would fall into the habit of if it's a good joke, tell it, even if it's not a kind joke. It's something that I and others have had to learn over a period of time. But there's another inclination here. So, but, so what I'm saying is because it does break the tension and it does relax, how often a very tense situation has been completely dissipated by the right kind of humor. Um, there was a time when Swamiji was, we, when we were subject to terrible litigation, and Swami Kriyananda himself had to appear as a witness in this terrible case in front of this, um, being, being questioned by this awful attorney who was just really out to humiliate and destroy Swamiji and was always trying to goad him into having a temper tantrum or something like that. None of it ever worked, but the, the man gets credit for continuing to try. And Swami had to face a whole morning of uh, cross-examination on the witness stand, literally before a jury, for this uh, false suit that was put against Ananda for being a, an abusive cult, etc. I've, I've mentioned it enough, I don't have to go into it. 
And many of us were not allowed in the courtroom because of space and also because some of us also were listed as witnesses and therefore were not allowed in. So when Swamiji emerged after a couple of hours, there was a crowd of maybe 25 people who were waiting in the hallway who'd been extremely anxious for his well-being over these couple of hours. Now I have to make this work by referring to James Bond. <laughs> the James Bond movies, the earlier ones, the later ones, earlier, I'm, I'm talking about the 60s, the 70s, the 80s, I don't know how long James Bond had been around, but Swamiji used to enjoy the movies because they were preposterous. More recently, they've become evil. You know, it's just sort of like it's become trendy now to to show show violence, to be explicit in the violence, and to show sadism and cruelty in movies, and that is not fun. Before, it was they were goofy and lighthearted, and they were a spoof unto themselves. And one of James Bond's um, characteristics, which may still be true, was that he had a very specific opinion about how he wanted his martini um, uh, made. And it was always that you, I don't, I've never, I've never been a drinker, but apparently either you stir the ingredients together or you shake it. And Bond was very specific that he wanted a martini, but he wanted it to be stirred. He did not want it to be shaken. So this was like a line that all of us were familiar with. So Swami comes out of the courtroom, and we're so anxious about him. We just, this whole crowd just hovers around him. And someone, you know, says, sir, how are you doing? And he said, stirred but not shaken. He said like that. We, of course, immediately knew that it was a James Bond line about a martini. And in the circumstances, it was so ludicrous. But we all just burst out laughing. So suddenly in the hallway, and here's the adversarial attorney and all of his minions over there, and that they have just done their best to destroy him. He walks out. There's this very small exchange all of a sudden, we're all just bent over laughing. And Swami says, well, where shall we go for lunch? And then we just all went out. So there is a place. There is a place for it. And we should remember that. But there's also a place to leave it behind. That when things are just really, I mean, and I've watched myself. I remember one particular moment when Swamiji started a conversation. This is like one of these, like, to my everlasting regret. He started a conversation about something that was, I actually think the conversation was started for my benefit. And he started in with this conversation, and I think subconsciously, I just wasn't ready to hear it. So he was starting in a serious direction, and I threw in a joke. A bad joke. It wasn't even clever. It was a bad joke, but it completely deflected the possibility of him going forward with what he was going to say. And I thought, I thought for years... If I had only just let him speak, you know, I just like it might have changed my, my might have changed my destiny. And as I had more experiences on the spiritual path, and I was in his position relative to trying to bring up a subject and then watch people deflect the energy. I mean, and sometimes if it's a group and there's others. Who need to hear it. You have to figure out how to work with it. But just one person in a group conversation can constantly just keep deflecting it. And they just keep everyone from getting 
what they should have. Swami uses the phrase, it will trivialize your relationships. So think about it. Think about how you use humor, whether you're using it to actually lift the energy, to lighten the mood, to relax people, to take away the tension, to give people a better perspective, or whether human for you is a de- humor for you is a defense mechanism against having to really go deep, go deep in your relationships, go deep into your own understanding, go deep into an understanding of life. I mean, some, pe- some of us are driven to have a deep understanding of life. That's what I was saying about myself. I just like, when I was younger and actually on the path, but I've, I've learned to accommodate and relate to other people's realities, and appropriately so, but that doesn't change my fundamental intention. Actually, I have to really say it correctly. Being able to relate properly to other, properly to other people's realities is my way of going deeper into life instead of just being driven always by my own agenda. But some of us are driven by a very serious agenda. It's just a search for meaning is way, way long before I came onto the path. That's why I came onto the path. That's why I came on so completely so young, is that the search for meaning was and is absolutely paramount. Absolutely paramount. And one, we should pay attention when it's important to others, And we should also ask ourselves, you know, what am I doing here? What is really important to me? Now, I I have to agree that not everybody likes serious conversation. And not everybody likes to expose themselves in a public way. So it's not a question of how you ought to behave. It's a question of being conscious of why you are behaving a certain way. A very interesting just example of this was this man I knew. I knew him only a little bit because his wife was involved with Ananda and I knew him through her. He was really, the only word for him is he was a very worldly man. He was very successful, self-made. He loved his money. He loved spending his money on luxury. Um, He was a good man, but he was just a worldly man. That was who he was. When he heard that in the astral world there's no sex, he just made an absolute decision that why would he ever go there? <laughs> you know? It was just like he was very frank about who he was, and that was that. He uh, was out on his customary five-mile-a-day jog, and he had a little pain in his back that didn't go away, so he went to the hospital. He was riddled with cancer. There was absolutely nothing they could do about it. Two weeks later, he died. And... Uh, He was so brave in his passing. He was braver than many yogis that I've met. It was just whatever he he was doing, deep in his heart, you know, he was really living from another level. And it came out in the final exam. He just said, you know, it's been a great run. He said, I have no complaints. Just like that. And just as calmly and as peacefully. And, you know, he was sad to leave his wife. But it was just, this is what life has given me. This is what I take. So let's not be superficial. Let's be deep about it. But being deep about it, Swami says, don't joke too much, lest you trivialize your relationships. Controlled merriment helps to release tension, but unrestrained jocularity keeps the mind light and is a hindrance to deep thought.
God bless you, my friends. Our work is made possible by inspired listeners. So if you feel to support Asha, you can make a one-time donation or for unique members-only content, subscribe through Patreon. Blessings and thank you.